God's people said? Amen and amen. Well, this morning I get to continue on in our series, Sorry, and I don't know if you had a chance to check out the shirt this week, but it says, uh, be careful or you'll end up in my sermon. So uh, <laughs> I couldn't think of a better look at Gail's just going, only Pastor Mike, right? But, uh, you know, I told you there's going to be a few surprises, and we're in the sorry series, so be careful. You'll end up in my sermon, you know. And now you can't say I didn't tell you, but I showed you. I didn't just tell you, but I showed you. <laughs> but we've been in this series, and, and you know what I've just enjoyed is I have enjoyed hearing the testimonies and seeing the way God is rebuilding relationships. It's been beautiful to watch and see. Um, and I just, I'm so grateful to God that he continues to pour out his blessing and his wisdom. But more importantly, I'm grateful to God for our obedience to follow his lead, to follow the leading, of the, even against our own ideas and thoughts. And so I couldn't be more grateful because in this series, we've been unpacking the importance of forgiveness in our lives. To forgive someone is a gift. It's a real gift. To be forgiven by someone is an amazing gift. And all of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior know what it's like to be forgiven. We didn't have any hope. We didn't deserve forgiveness. But somehow, somehow in His infinite mercy and grace, He forgave us. And the truth is that that should profoundly influence our lives. The, what, the way we've been forgiven should have a profound influence on every aspect of our lives. As a matter of fact, it should transform the way we deal with ourselves. Yes. It should transform the way we deal with other people. It should transform even the way we deal with our enemies. Because remember, at one time, you were an enemy of God. Yes. The cross of Christ is where the justice of God met the grace of God. The rightful wrath of God was satisfied in Christ Jesus and objects of wrath, that was us, became objects of affection. And so God's delicate balance of, of justice and forgiveness teaches us how to confess, how to repent, how to forgive, how to restore, and how to forgive as we've been forgiven. For us to think that forgiveness ignores justice is to totally not understand the awfulness of the cross. You see, the cross is where justice met grace. Your sin had a, pay, a price. My sin had a price. It was the blood of Jesus. It was his sacrifice. So if you think God ignores justice um, to forgive, he doesn't. Justice is always paid in full. And your debt was paid in full by Jesus Christ. So it's important for us to understand that. If there's ever a time in our church, in our nation, in our, in our city, and as individuals for this teaching, it's now. It's now. Truthfully, over this, last, over this last year, the metal of our relationships have been tested. And some of them have been proven unstable and shakable. And the thing that scares me the most is much of that is our relationship with God. Because the way we behave reflects the trust that we have in Jesus. So when you think about that, you think, oh my goodness, what, what's going on here? You see, the test of our metal is what happens when we come up against a setback? What happens when we face adversity like we've never faced? And I'm pretty sure we're facing some adversity. And for everybody who said they didn't think it could get worse, we got two storms in the Gulf. Come on, man. 
Quit saying it can't get worse. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, man. We ain't saying it no more. 2020, we're done. You know, we've got 2020 now. Jesus, our eyes are on you. You know what I'm saying? But the truth is when we have that setback, we refuse to give up. We we refuse to step back. Instead, we step up and we find a way. We find a way to love in a world full of hate. We find a way to care in a world that doesn't seem to care. We find a way to be light in a world that seems to have darkness closing in around us. And so today as we look at this, I want to share a story from the Bible. It's a well-known story, but not everybody knows it. It's a well-known story from a, a character in the Bible named David. David and Goliath, right? But the story I want to focus on is David after he became king. I want to focus on David after he's been with Jesus for a while, after he's been anointed. What happened? What happened to David? But as I'm sharing this story, the thing that I don't want you to miss is two times in the scripture, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Twice in scripture, you see it in 1 Samuel 13, 14 and Acts 13, 22. You don't see that spoken very often. David, a man after my own heart is what God would say about David. Now, that should give you and me hope because David wasn't perfect. Okay? So as we look at this story, I want to remind you that the Bible is not without controversy. The Bible is not without scandal. And God's people are not without blind spots. David was always ready to go to battle for the Lord. Matter of fact... The first opportunity he got to fight a giant, he fought a giant when no one else would fight. But something happened. Something happened. David got comfortable. David let other people start fighting the battle. And in a time... When kings went off to war, David stayed home. That's what the scripture says. In a time when kings went off to war, David stayed home. David was supposed to be leading the battle, leading the charge, but David stayed home. And as he stayed home, he found himself with idle hands. David found something else to entertain him instead of being on mission for God. David started browsing. David started scrolling. And you know what David saw? David saw Bathsheba. From his porch, he saw her bathing. And David decided he wanted her. Now David had no business wanting another man's wife. 
But he decided he wanted her, and he's king, and nobody should tell him what he should or shouldn't do. So he calls his servant and says, I want you to bring that girl to me. Well, that's, but that's your captain, Uriah. That's the guy that's side by side fighting. The guy who's fighting in the place where you should be, that's his wife. He's out fighting your battle. You're here ogling his wife. Bring her to me. So, of course, they bring her. David has sex with her, gets her pregnant. Did you know when you have sex, it's a possibility you get pregnant? I didn't know a lot of people do that. This just in. So David, rather than own it, he's like, oh, this is not going to work. So bring Uriah back. So he sends for Uriah, who's fighting. He calls him out of the battle. And he says, well, I'll get him to come back. He'll sleep with his wife while he's here. She'll think it's her baby. Everything will be cool and nobody will be none the wiser. But he didn't know the integrity of Uriah. You see, Uriah, he came back. And you know what Uriah said? Because David's like, man, there's your wife. She's looking hot. Puts on a little Lou Rawls. You know, if that didn't work, he dropped a little Barry White. Never going to give. You know what I'm saying? Never, never, never. You know? But Uriah wasn't feeling it. Uriah, he said, no, how can I fight? Listen to what Uriah said. How can I fight? How can I be here and be with my wife and eat this food when my men are out there fighting for their lives? And he slept in the doorway. Just so nobody even thought that he was doing something. He avoided even that opportunity, denied himself because he said, how can I do this? Now, David should have said, how can I be here when my men are on the field? So Uriah wouldn't do it. So you know what David did? David said, I have to kill him. This is a man after God's own heart. He decides, you know what? I'm going to have to kill him. So he says, hey, I want you to send this message with Uriah. And he sends a message to the battle lines, front lines. And he says, hey, let Uriah lead the charge. And right when he's leading the charge, tell everybody to jump back and leave him. And that's exactly what happened. Uriah went back, one of his mighty warriors fighting for him. All of a sudden, Uriah looks around and there's no army. It's just him. And he's murdered. He's killed in war. He's murdered by David. Killed by his enemy, but murdered by David. Make a note of that. Killed by his enemy, but murdered by David. David thinks that's cool now. So he brings Bathsheba to his house. He's like, everything's good. I'm, look, I'm going to look good. I'm taking care of my captain's wife. Look at me. How awesome am I? But you see what man didn't know, God saw. Keep that in your hearts. So God sends a prophet named Nathan. 
And Nathan comes in to David. You can read this in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Because David is living, he's like, this is awesome. I got me a baby on the way. Everything's going good. I got Bathsheba. Nobody knows anything. And Nathan comes along and he says, hey, King, can, can I tell you a story? And the king said, man, I love stories. He says, you know, this is a true story, though. He said, oh, that's even better. I like true stories. Well, you know, this is your kingdom, right? Oh, this is my kingdom. Well, there was this rich, rich shepherd. And he had land and flocks like you can't imagine. Thousands. And he said, but there was this one shepherd. And he had one little lamb. And he loved that little lamb. He took care of that little lamb, and, and he just, he adored it. He said, but the one that had a thousand, thousands, you know what he did? He came one night, and he killed that shepherd, and he took his lamb and made it his own. What do you think should happen to him? And Nathan said, uh, David said, oh, you know what? You need to bring him before me right now. He deserves death. But before he dies, he should have to pay back tenfold what he took. Then he still deserves death. Where is he? Bring him to me right now. And Nathan said, be careful. You'll end up in my sermon. He said, that man is you. That man is you. Now, David had a choice. David could kill Nathan right there and shut this whole story up, or he could obey God. Because Nathan could have been murdered instantly just for bringing that news to the king. But David understood that you can't escape God. So David, finally realizing his position, he stopped the cover-up. He stopped it. You see, David, his whole life, he had a lifestyle. He was a lifestyle confessor and repenter. He didn't just confess, but he repented. That was his life. If you read his story, he was a confessor and repenter. And you and I must understand that repentance and confession are to be a regular practice in the life of every believer. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not perfect. You are being perfected. But that is not an excuse to remain in your sin. That is not an excuse to remain in your bad behavior. You must have a... God didn't call you to a one-time repentance and one-time confession. He called you to a lifetime of repentance and a lifetime of confession. It, it should be a regular practice. You see, when David finally realized just how heinous his acts were, when David finally saw himself in the light of God's word, not in the light of anything other than God's word, not opinion or anything else, but when he finally saw himself in the light of God's word, he saw his deep need for forgiveness, confession, and repentance, and he didn't run. David confessed and repented. As a matter of fact, he would pen a public song of sadness called Psalm 
51, which I'd like to read parts to you today. And as we read this today, this is David realizing his situation, realizing what he has finally done. And David says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Now, did David receive mercy? No. Did David, did David show mercy? No. But did he receive mercy? Yes. Yes, he received mercy. He received mercy, but did he show it? No. No mercy at all. He showed no mercy to someone who had done nothing to him. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Did he deserve to have his transgressions blotted out? Did you? Did I? Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For Now listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Until you and I have Jesus Christ in our lives, until our sins have been forgiven, they are ever before us against you. Now listen to this. Now he has sinned against other people, but notice what he says here, and I don't want you to miss it. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you might be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. In other words, God... Whatever you do with me, you are right and just to do with me because I have sinned against you and done evil in your sight. And you and I who try and hold someone else's sin against them and try and keep hate in our hearts, you don't understand that that is evil in the sight of the Lord. We are supposed to hate what is evil and love what is good. He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. He recognized that sin is a pandemic that's been running wild for since the beginning of time. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. Now ask yourself a question. Have you been... Have you been delighting in truth in your inward being, in your inmost being, when the Holy Spirit's been pricking your heart about your behavior or your lack of forgiveness or your hardness of heart or the evil that you're consistently behaving with? Have you understood what God is saying? You delight in truth and in, in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear. Did he say, let me do good? Let me, let me, let me repay you? No, he's saying, listen, the only way that I'm going to receive forgiveness is from you. He says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that, uh, that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This morning, if you find yourself with the ability, the lack of ability to forgive, you need a right spirit in you this morning. And the only right spirit I know is the Holy Spirit of God. So if you're struggling in that area, you got something going on and you got to get it right with God because here's the facts. We can grieve the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. We just found that out last week. 
Cast me not away from your presence. And listen to this, church. You better listen. You better listen. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. You better read Romans chapter 1. When you choose to exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship creation over creator, he will give you over to a reprobate mind. The Bible, the Bible tells us in Romans 1 that they didn't think it worthwhile to maintain the knowledge of God, so they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship creation over creator who's forever to be praised. And take not your holy... If there's anything we should all be afraid of is not to feel the presence and the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The problem is, church, we ain't been willing. It's time for us to be willing. Then, look at what happens. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways, my ways or his ways. His ways and sinners will return to you. You want to see people return to God? Behave like Jesus. I just said, if you want to, see, want to see sinners return to God, behave like Jesus. And I got like six amens. Let me, I'm going to have to put it down for a minute and just kind of gather my composure. I'm going say it, to say it one more time. And sinners will return. Thank you, Jesus. Deliver me from my blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Will my, song, my tongue sing of anything but his righteousness? Only his righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. What's been coming out of your mouth lately? My brothers, let me go to the scriptures again. James chapter 3 says, Blessing and cursing cannot come out of the same mouth. A salt water does not produce fresh, and a fresh water does not produce salt. This is the word of God. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. Oh, you want a check? God, I'll cut you a check. Just let me be evil. Just let me feel the way I feel. Just let me get my enemies back and I'll cut you a check. Hey, I'll even admit, I'll come to church on Sunday. Hallelujah. I may not worship you in spirit and truth, but I'll still come. Maybe cause a little trouble while I'm here. Right? He says, or I would give it. You'll not be pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices, listen to me. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. This is what happens when you and I come to an understanding of who God is. We understand that we have a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. That's when God does his best work. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. He basically said, listen, until we get this right and we start getting this right, worship is not going to be acceptable. Amen. 
powerful. It's a lifestyle. You see, repentance and confession are a regular practice when we examine our hearts and live in the light of God's Word and feel the weight and depth of our sin. When you and I finally understand what it costs God, it costs Him everything. Then, then, repentance and confession become an easy task. It was a, ne- it was a message through Nathan to King David to examine his own life and practices in the light of God's Word. And that's what, that's what this whole series has been about. That's what Lamentations has been about. Asking us to look through this whole process and ask God, let me look at my life, my practices in light of your word. It was then and only then did David feel the weight and saw the depth of his sin and he understood he needed forgiveness. The reason we haven't been able to forgive is because we haven't been forgiven. Because we haven't repented or confessed. Nathan used the story to illustrate David's failure just like today. You just heard a story from the Bible to show ourselves. You have a choice to learn from King David or reject this truth and decide you're going to live in your truth, which by the way, there's no such thing as my truth is. There is only truth. Okay? Let's just go ahead and square that. Any Christian who's going around saying my truth, then you have another truth that's God's truth and yours are lies. I'm just trying to help people. Well, my truth is call me when you died on the cross or resurrected, you know, and you were up in the heaven praying for me. Then holler at your boy. Till then, I'm going to stick with his truth. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to end up in my sermon. The second thing, repentance and confession are a regular practice when we confess our desperate need for God's forgiveness, His grace, and His mercy. David's immediate response was to confess his need. Don't miss this. The consequence of David's sin was the death of his infant son. Let me tell you this story because I want you not to miss this. This is, this is crucial. David began to pray and to fast and to ask God for this newborn son, the son that was born to him in Bathsheba. But God had already said, That's, that child belongs to me now. And David thought, well, maybe if I get religious... Maybe if I get religious, then maybe God will have mercy. So he prays, he puts on sackcloth and ashes, and he does all that business. And finally he realizes on the seventh day, his son goes to be with the Lord Jesus. And God tells him, your son can't come back to you, but you know the way to where he is. There was still a price to pay. Now listen to me. Oh, this is where it gets fun in 2020. Because now you got a choice. David could have got bitter with God. Oh, you're going to do that to me? Oh, you're going to do that to me? Instead of recognizing he's taking his son, he's going to spend eternity with his son, and his son is being spared this struggle, right? Instead, David decided to get better. But David suffered consequences the rest of his life, although he was forgiven and a man after God's own heart. 
Understand that today. David chose to take a hold of God's promises, not shake his fist at God. And you and I have that same opportunity. David confessed his desperate need for God, needing his forgiveness. He recognized his sin was an offense toward God. And David changed his ways. David understood how others were affected by his sin, but he understood more importantly that he had directly offended God. And let me let you know something. If you don't forgive, you directly offend God. Against God and God alone have we sinned. And the third thing I want you to see in repentance and confession When they're a regular practice, we realize the gospel frees us to live in the light through the practice of daily repentance and confession. We can't keep running from light to darkness, light to darkness. We're supposed to be the light because Jesus is the light in us. And the only time we should run into the darkness is to bring light. David fully understood the weight and depth of his sin in the light of God's holiness, and he was awestruck. You know what he did? He confessed and he repented immediately. David cried, he grieved, he prayed, and David received God's correction and clung to his promises. Church, are you ready to receive God's correction and cling to his promises? God's not looking for you to get more religious. He's not looking for you to write another zero on the back of your, of your gift. He's not looking for you to show up in church just to show up in church. He's not looking for you to do this or that. What he's looking for is he's looking for a people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. A people who will be broken but not, not destroyed. Crushed but not abandoned. You see, Jesus Christ came... He lived the perfect sinless life to become the perfect sacrifice for you and me. Jesus Christ was beaten. He was whipped. He was abused. He was put on public display naked, nailed to a cross to pay for the penalty that you and I rightly should have paid for. You and I received a death sentence. A death sentence. But Jesus took our place. But he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. God the Father raised him to life and he defeated Satan's sin and death. And you know what part of that sin is? Unforgiveness. He, he defeated unforgiveness for you and me. So you don't think you have the strength to do it? Do it in his strength. Do it in his strength. Jesus Christ forgave us and through him we have been forgiven of our heinous acts against God and our acts of war, our outright acts of war against God. The only caveat that we have is Jesus said, you just have to forgive the way I forgave you. That's what you have to do. Not in our own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the thing that David understood that you and I should rest so blessed and grateful about You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and rest upon someone just for a season. And then he would depart. Maybe a king or a prophet. He just sat on and then depart. Can you imagine how they must have felt knowing that the Spirit had departed them? But Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and be with you and in you forever. 
So you and I have... Now, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. But how beautiful is it that you have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in you. To say that you can't, to say that you can't is to say God can't. To say that you won't is to say God can't. We have an opportunity to be lifestyle repenters and lifestyle confessors. We have the opportunity to let ourselves out of prison, to walk free, not because of anything we have done, but because of everything that's been done for us through Jesus Christ. So why don't we start today? The coolest thing about Jesus is how many times will he forgive you? As many times as you ask. Isn't that beautiful? We're not perfect. We're being what? And thanks be to God. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if when it was all said and done, God said, Andre was a man after my own heart. Wouldn't that be wonderful to say Linda was a woman after my own heart? Wouldn't that be wonderful to say Tamika was a woman after my own heart? Kevin was a man after my own heart. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't it be wonderful when it's all said and done that can happen through the power of Jesus Christ and through the way you and I live. It's time for us to walk free. And if that means I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And if that means I got to say to God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If that means God has to do some heart surgery on me, then do it, God. Do it. Do it. Whatever you have to do. And the rest, the rest we get to live. We get all of this in heaven too. Imagine how better we'll be if we just let Jesus do his work. Imagine how less bitter we'll be if we just let God do his work. We can do it today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your goodness and your kindness and your love. And right now, God, we rely totally on you. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in us. Cast us not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from us, but restore to us the joy of your salvation and grant us willing spirits and renew a right spirit in us. If you're here today and you already know Jesus right where you're at, if you need to repent, if you need to get something off your chest, do it right there. Be a lifestyle repenter confessor right where you're at. God, forgive me. God, forgive me for my attitudes. Forgive me for my actions. Forgive me for my words. Forgive me for my deeds. Forgive me for things that I know and things that I don't know. Search my heart, God, right where you're at. Just speak. And if you're here today and you want to know Jesus or you're listening on YouTube, you're listening on Facebook, and you say, man, I want what you've been talking about, Pastor Mike. Well, here's the beautiful thing. The Bible says that if you believe 
and you receive Jesus, he gives you the right to be called children of God. The Bible says that God will adopt you into his very own family. And all you have to do is simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. I believe that you were raised back to life by God the Father. I believe that you're preparing a place for me. And I believe that one day you're going to take me to come that I may be where you are. I believe that you sent the Holy Spirit to live in me and work through me. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. I ask you to lead me, to guide me, to help me. I put all of my hope, all of my faith, and all of my trust in you. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray this prayer. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap today? What an awesome God. What an awesome God.